Welcome to the weekly podcast of Valley Church. I pray that this message will fill you with the hope of the gospel and will help you follow Jesus today. If you would like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, visit valleychurchwv.com. Now let's tune in to this week's message. Uh, Joshua chapter 6, I'm going to go ahead and keep in line with what, jo- uh, what uh, Jonathan started. Uh, trying to get a few things uh, said. I was talking to Phil this morning, and, and you know, I, I told him, I said, uh, this is, could either be a 15-minute sermon, this could be an hour-and-a-half sermon. I'm sure if I go that long, I'll be a few people over here, so I know whenever to stop. But uh, there's just so many different ways when you get to study in the Word of God. It's just so many different ways that, that it opens up, and uh, it just feeds your heart, feeds your soul, feeds your mind. It can go different ways. And, and you know, if you haven't, if you haven't t- taken the time, just a, a, even a few minutes starting out, just, you know, I encourage you, just even a few minutes, five minutes in the morning, sit down, read one scripture, read one verse, and then study that one verse. There's so many commentaries and texts that's available to us online that, that you know, we don't have an excuse anymore to not learn. We really don't. The internet has provided us with every single commentary available. There's different apps that's available that we can sit there and look at a, one single scripture. And we can even go and see, you know, what the Greek or the Hebrew says. You know, and, and if you can read that, that's, I'm pretty proud of you for that. But there's no excuse. We, shouldn't, we should not have any excuse at all to, to dive into the meat of God's word. Um, so I'm going to try and keep this online straight and narrow, and not go too long, and I'll probably go a lot shorter than what I expected. <laughs> so let's get started with a word of prayer. Grace and Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for uh, your grace, for your blessing, for your Son who died upon the cross, for this, this earth, for this day, this, the sunshine, the friendship, the time we get to come together. Father, it's just so many things to be thankful for, and Sometimes we get overwhelmed with the, the things around us that we, that we forget that uh, all things come from you in some way, shape, or form. And Father, I just want to take that moment and thank you so much for that. And Lord, thank you for this time that I get to share your word and, and a few thoughts. I pray that you may use me uh, as a speaker, that uh, Lord, uh, you may speak through me and uh, uh, your word may go on for... Uh, past this church building, out into the world, and hit the valley running. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, here's a few things, uh, before I get to reading in Joshua chapter 6, I want to go over just a few things I want you to look forward to. Okay, Four different things. If you got uh, uh, the paper that was handed out, the back of it I think is blank, so you can take notes, and uh, by all means take notes. You know, uh, if at the very sake you can look at it later on and say, hey, I found something you're wrong at, by all means, check me and prove me wrong. I, I, by all means, I need that. Believe me, I do. First thing I want you to take a remember is uh, we might, uh, what might be hard for us is not hard for God. Now, as we go on in Joshua chapter 6, this is the part where Jericho falls, okay, the Great Wall. And uh, I want you to take, and I want you to think about this as we go on, what Seems like it's hard for us. It's not hard for God. And Jeremiah 32, 7 says, Oh, Lord God, behold, you have made 
the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Arm, there is nothing too hard for you. You know, when we get down and out, we get to that point where we, we have no way to go. We have nowhere to turn. We have no ideas or, or answers to the questions. What do we do? We usually turn to God, don't we? Because we know that in the end, he's going to have the answer. Everything falls back to him. You know, there's nothing impossible for him. And we're going to see that as we go on in Joshua, that there is nothing impossible for him. Okay, and the second thing is, battles are best fought with prayer and faith. Yeah, we're going to get into a little military stuff here. Okay, not too much. I'm going to try and keep it simple, okay, because I know not everybody's into the military like, you know, like what some of us are. But, uh, you know, go Army. <laughs> but uh, battles are best fought with prayer and faith. Uh, God used an unconventional way to fight this battle. Okay? If we go back in, uh, in time and we uh, look at archaeologists and what they found with uh, studying Jericho nowadays, they found that uh, there's many pots of uh, clay pots that were full of grain. Okay, now you may think that this is, this is what's that got to do with anything? Well, back then, if a city was walled up and shut up to where the enemy can't get in, the enemy would just surround the city and starve them out. So they would eat, the people inside the city would eat up all the grain. Well, we see proof here by the archaeologists that that, that shows that they didn't wait for the city to starve out. Okay, they went after them. They hit them pretty quick. They didn't even have time to eat their uh, grain that was left over and stored up just in case of a moment like this. Okay, so we see that God, he'll fight the battles in very unconditional ways, unconventional ways that we may never expect. But you know, we got to trust him. We got to have faith that he knows what he's doing and that prayer to ask him to show us. It's oftentimes our human nature. You know, I know that it's, it's, it's mine, and it, I'm a guy, okay? And I know the other guys are going to do and the women are going to say, yeah, I told you. But uh, when there's a problem in the house, or my wife's upset, I want to fix it. I want to fix it right now. Hon, what is it? What can I do? What can I fix? You know, is there something that's broke? Can I fix that? You know, is there anything that I can help you with? Is there anything that you need me to do? Is there, you, do I need to kill somebody? Tell me. What can I do to make you happy? Okay? But it's a, it's a human nature. It's, it's a guy thing. You know, we like to fix things. And then oftentimes, we, we jump real hard into, into it, and, and we try and fix things, and then we make a bigger mess, and then we turn around in the end, and we sit there and say, God, I, can you fix this for me? Well, if we would just stop for a moment and think, you know, God has this under control. He has it all under control. I don't have to just jump in automatically and try and fix it. Maybe God's already showing me how to fix it. So maybe I should stop for a moment, think, have a little bit of prayer here. And uh, maybe I'm not supposed to do this right off the bat. Maybe, maybe God has a different idea of, or a plan of attack or, or a different path that I need to follow. In a different unconventional way. You know, sometimes we have to sit down or get on our knees to find that way that God is trying to show us. Uh, 
the uh, next thing we should do is keep our eyes on the Lord. The ark in Joshua chapter 6 was set as the center of the army, okay? The army marched before and after the ark, okay? The ark was the symbol of God. It was a representation of God. It was the center. That's what they, they showed and they took and they marched, they protected, and that was the center of the army as they marched around the city, okay? We need to keep God in that same position. You know, as soon as we put him someplace else, as soon as we throw him off to the side, we're off track. You know, we got our eyes on the wrong path. We're going the wrong way. So let's keep God as a center, just like the army did here. Okay, now let's dive into the text, Joshua. Joshua chapter 6, verse, starting with verse 1. I'm going to do a little bit of reading. I'm not going to read every single verse, verse but I'm going to read most verses, okay? Starting with uh, verse 1, it says, Now Jericho was securely shut up because of, of the children of Israel. None went out, and none came in. They knew. They were ready for this, okay? This wasn't just a city that, that was like, okay, we need to get prepared, okay? So they shut up everything so no one can come in and out. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand, its king and the mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all you men of war. You shall go all around the city once. This you shall do six days. And seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. But the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times. And the priests shall blow the trumpets... It shall come to pass when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, that all the people shall shout with a great shout, then the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up, every man straight before him. Then Joshua the son of Nun called the priests and said to them, Take up the ark of the covenant, and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord. And he said to the people, proceed and march around the city, and let him who is armed advance before the ark of the Lord. So it was, when Joshua had spoken to the people, that the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Lord advanced and blew the trumpets, and the ark of the covenant of the Lord followed them. The armed men went before the priests who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard came after the ark, while the priests continued blowing the trumpets. Now Joshua had commanded the people, saying, You shall not shout or make any noise with your voice, nor shall a word proceed out of your mouth until the day I say to you, Shout, then you shall shout. You know, I, I read this and I look at it and I think, Marching around this city ten time, or, uh, one time each day for six days and not making a single, single sound. Okay, I wondered what was going through the mind of these people. For one thing, I know they didn't have any of my kids there because they would not be quiet. Okay, they would not be. Hey, what are we doing? Why are we going here? Hey, when are we going to? Oh, I'm tired. Can we do something else? <laughs> I love my kids, but oh boy, they, they, I think they do that just to get on me, you know, just to get on me because they know that they, they sit there and see that vein start popping out. They know, oh, we got him. We got him. Yeah, he's ours. But, you know, they're sitting there marching around this... I know in the army, when we would march, we always had a cadence, okay? We always had a cadence to keep everybody in step, 
But here, the priests were blowing the ram's horns, keeping them people in step. And they were to be quiet. And I know that if I was marching around the city, staring at this big wall, seeing this big wall, every single day, I'm like, uh-uh, no, it's not going to happen. They're locked in. We, no, 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 we can't do this. Nope, nope. Well, you know, I would be, be a little bit disgruntled. I get a little, it, it would get on my nerves to see this, this wall staring at me and not being able to do anything. And the day after day after day doing it, you know, the longer they did it, the more they sat there and stared. Oh, probably scared a few of them. But this was a time when God wanted them to march around and see this giant wall before them and see just exactly what God is going to do. Okay? How many times have we been in our lives and we've looked and we saw a, a barrier or a wall or something in front of us and we sit there and think, okay, God, I don't know how this is going to happen. I don't know how I'm going to get past this. I don't know what I can do here to get, get along. You know, how many times have we been in that situation where we don't know where we're going to get out? It's almost being in a hole that we can't dig our way, that, that we can't get out of, we can't climb out of. We dug that hole, now we're in it, now we can't get out of it. There's not a ladder long enough to get us out of it. Or we're sitting there staring at a wall ahead of us, and, and God, what do I do? How do I handle this one? You know, God sometimes puts walls there in front of us to show us just exactly what he's going to do. To maybe show us just how powerful he is. You know, to show us just exactly how much, how much strength he has in his, that he can offer to you. Or how much support he can help you with. Okay, and show you. You know, these, these, these soldiers, they marched around this wall. And, and I've read different things on Jericho about uh, the archaeological part of it. And uh, I, was, I read one part where it said that, that, that the city itself was about 10 acres. Uh, that's not very big. But then considering that upon those acre, each acre, they said that roughly on, if upon each acre, uh, there was a 150 to 200 people because they were, the houses were stacked upon each other. Okay? They, were, they were small houses and stuff. Okay, now, now that's like taking, okay, I have one acre home. And you put 150 people on my acre. And no. Okay? It's going to drive me nuts for one thing. And... Wow, 150 people on that one acre, but that's the way Jericho was, okay? And so they're marching around these, these, uh, this city, and they're staring at this wall that's protecting these people. I know for me, I, I wouldn't, if all I had was a sword against a wall, whoa. But you know, that's what God gives us. Because that wall that's when we have to look at him and rely upon him. And that wall is how God is going to show us his strength and his power. Because he's standing on the other side of that wall. He's maybe reaching his hand over that wall, saying, all you got to do is reach up. Or you give me a chance, I'll show you. I'll knock the wall down for you. you know, but we got to be the ones that sit there and let him do that for us. We got to allow him. Okay, because if we try and climb that wall by ourselves, it's not going to happen, people. Sometimes there's walls that's just too big. I know plenty of times I've been in my life in a situation where it felt like I was climbing a wall. And there's been times when I felt like I was climbing a wall I built myself. And I put myself in that situation. 
And in the end, I had to turn to God and pray. You know, I can't do this, God. I need your help. And that's when God says, let me show you what I can do. Let me show you. And that's, I like to look at the soldiers as they marched around the city, and they're looking, and they're thinking, all right. It's not, oh, wow. It's, all right. We're going to see what God's going to do. We're going to see the power of God. We're going to see his strength. He's going to show us just exactly how strong he is. Okay? That's how I look at those soldiers. They were impressed about what God was going to do. You know, we have to be careful that we don't just build our own walls and put ourselves in our own little building with no doors. You know, whether it be anything that, t- that takes the place of God. You know, money, power. The big three, money, power, sex. They're not bad, but when used incorrectly, they destroy us. You know, those are the big three. It's, it's, I, I've heard a, a, a guy named Frank Turek, which I listen to a lot of, and he said it seems like every single thing leads back to uh, sex, money, or power. Like they're all created by God, and, the, and used correctly, it's not a bad thing. But used incorrectly, it can put us into a situation where we feel like we can't get out. And those walls are there all around us, and they feel like they're pushing in on us, and it's caving in, and we can't breathe, and we're in that situation where we're suffocating. But remember, God's still there. All he's doing is waiting for you to turn to him so he can show you what he can do. In verse 17, it says, Now the city shall be doomed by the Lord to destruction, it and all who are in it. Only Rahab the harlot shall live, she and all who are with her in the house, because she hid the messengers that we sent. And we look back in the the second chapter of Joshua, we'll see why Rahab was saved. The city of of Jericho, it was destined to be destroyed. Okay, it was full of, uh, of, of sin and corruption. They were worshiping an idolatry of different gods. They were, they were not following God. You know? And here we see in, in uh, Joshua chapter 2, verses 8 through 11, it says, Now before they lay that, now this is when she was hiding the spies, if you remember. They, she was hiding the spies on the roof behind the flax. Now before they lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given you the land, and the terror of you has fallen on us, and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were on the other side of the Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted. Neither did did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you, for the Lord your God. He is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. You know, Rahab went on to become a very important person. I want to, set, I want to stop for a moment here on, on Rahab uh, because she is 
one woman that, that can be admired in many different ways. And I'm not saying by right here where you sit there, sit there and say uh, Rahab the harlot. No, later on in Matthew chapter 1, we see that Rahab was in the lineage of Christ. Okay? You see here Rahab the harlot. And then in Matthew, you see Rahab, a great-great-grandparent of Christ. How awesome is that? I mean, right, there's an example for anybody who thinks that they, aren't, they can't be good enough for God, right? A woman who was living in a city, uh, a, a Gentile, a prostitute, someone who worshipped all the different gods except for God himself, and then she becomes an ancestor of Christ himself. Come on, people. Is that awesome or what? You know, I, I've, I've heard different people in my life sit there and say that they feel like they can't, they don't deserve to go to, to church. And it's upsetting to me because the first thing that I, can, that I always thought of, uh, up until this week, the first thing I always thought of was, well, when you're sick or hurt, do you go to the hospital or do you go to the gymnasium? No, you go to the hospital. Do you go to the hospital to try and find people who are well, perfectly happy? No, you go there to find sick people. You know, and then, and then, and then these people that they say that they don't feel like they're they're good enough to come to church. You don't have to be good enough, people. In fact, don't be good enough. Be that bad. Come to church and learn how to be better. Okay? Rahab was in the same situation. She recognized. She told the spies. She's like, I know how strong your God is. I've seen it. And I believe. I know he's God of all things. And he can destroy us. And because of her faith, she was saved. You know, a prostitute, a Gentile, an idolater. Well, just that first part, the prostitute. And she was graced because she believed and saved because she believed. Even to the point where she became an ancestor to Christ, our Savior. I mean, if you just think about that, that is, wow. You're taking someone that is way down here, and all of a sudden, you're putting them up here. You know, there was a wall there. And God's like, all right, we're going to take you, and we're going to get you over that wall. And he just didn't get her over that wall. She's listening to the Bible. Okay, in the New Testament. To me, that, 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 that kind of stuff right there is pretty amazing to me. That, that, that's the kind of stuff right there that blows me away. That's the kind of stuff right there that gives me hope. Okay? And we, it, it, she should give us all hope. Because when we're sitting there staring at a wall in front of us that we think we can't make it over... Come on, people. Apparently, you're not trusting God enough. I mean, he created the bricks in the wall, right? He can tear down the wall. If he can take a woman like Rahab 
and put her in a position because she believed and make her, to me, that famous. You know, when I go to heaven, I want to get her autograph. I do. That is, that is, those are the little things like that that just blow my mind. I mean, if we go to John chapter 3, verse 16, it says, all who believe shall have everlasting life. Believe. It's the start of it. I'm not just saying that, you know, that, that's a whole different sermon. One of the ways I was talking to Phil that I was going to get off. But uh, that's the start of a people. That's not just you know, the only thing you got to do. That's the start, okay, of knocking that wall down. That's the start of being a Christian, to believe. In verses 20, 20 and 21, so the people shouted when the priests blew the trumpets. What did they shout? For the valley! Yeah, if you guys get that, you're in the morning prayer. If not, come next week. (laughs) So the people shouted when the priests blew the trumpets, and it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpet... And the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat. Then the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. And they utterly destroyed all that was in the city, both man, woman, young and old, ox and sheep and donkey, with the edge of the sword. That is pretty violent. That is pretty violent. You know, we can look at that. Some people can say, well, you know, the God of the Old Testament, he's, he's, all, he's just mean. He's violent. But then they come over here to the New Testament and they're like, well, why, why won't God take care of the sin and the bad things in life? You know, this is, this is one of the situations where he did. We look at it, people look at this the wrong way. This is one of the situations where God took care of all the evil in that, in that place. He took care of all the evil in there. He took care of all the idolatry, the, the evil people. And, you know, from young to old, he made sure that wouldn't come back. And he told, the, he told them, he said, don't take part of any, any of this city because it is all evil. So God's not a monster. He takes care of stuff. He tore down the wall when they yelled. He showed them. I mean, okay, now, I've been around a lot of kids, and uh, I've heard them yell pretty loud at times. Loud, loud enough to the point where my blood pressure would raise. Okay? But I've never heard anyone yell loud enough to knock down a wall. Okay? I, I, sorry, I've I just never seen that happen. But yet here an army yells, The walls fall, they go in, and they completely eliminate all the evil in that area. Now, it sounds to me like God was doing just what he said, providing a place for his people. In the end, all the evil is going to be gone. I've... There's a couple different sayings that I really like using a lot, and I may beat them to death, but they're really powerful at times. 
And you can look at this and say, well, why didn't God just send in people to, to try and convert them? Well, my thing is, God knows what he's doing. And more likely, he looked at those people and he, they were past the point of converting. Okay? So, yes, they chose their own destiny. You know, people sit there and say, well, how can God send a person to hell? God doesn't send a person to hell. If you think about it, God doesn't send a single person to hell. He gives us a choice. We choose where we want to go. And God is so loving that if we, if we don't want to have nothing to do with him here on this planet, why would a loving God force you to be in his presence afterwards? That's how loving God is. He loves you that much that he's going to give each and every person a chance to make a decision. Free will. Your own choice. Choose to be with him. Choose not to. And just because you don't want him here and you try and be a good person, well, okay, fine. Try and be a good person in hell. I know that sounds kind of harsh, but if you don't want God here, he's not going to force you to be around him afterwards. All right? It's, it's kind of like, you know, taking, taking a, a, a girl that you, that you want, you know, guys, if you want to date a girl when you're growing up, forcing her to date you. you know, it's not going to happen. Force her to love you. Or girls, forcing a boy to love you. It's not going to happen. They have to choose. So God's not going to force us to choose him, but he's offering it. And wow, if he hasn't told us everything is possible right here in his word, we just got to read it, study it. It's all right there. In 1 Corinthians 10, 13, it says, no, no temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted, will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may bear it. This life wasn't promised to be easy. You know, we don't come to church thinking life's going to get better. We don't come to church thinking life's going to get easy. We don't come, to, we don't become Christians thinking, oh, you know, now life is perfect. It's, everything is going to go my way. By all means, the moment I start working harder for the Lord, the bigger that target on my back becomes. Okay. And you know what? For those guys that I've been around that stayed Christians in situations where it would have been a lot easier to tear into somebody or to fall into temptation or to go along with the peer pressure or go along with the group or go along with what's happening, those people that stood strong as a Christian, I admire them because, let's be honest, people, 
It takes a stronger person to stand strong in a situation like that than it does for a weak person to just go on along so they won't get made fun of. That person that stood strong, that person that stood still, that person that said, no, I'm not, I, no that's, not why, that's not what I want to do. That's not the kind of life I want. That person, you know, they're the ones that get made fun of or harassed or cut down or nobody calls them or texts them or sends a message to them whenever they're getting together with a bunch of group of people or whatever because they're the fuddy-dud. They're the bad person. They're the one that's going to just, like, put a damper on everything else. You know what? That person right there is stronger because it takes a lot to not get you're heartbroken or get tore up because people don't like you because you want to follow God. Our youth have a real problem these days. Social media has become so strong that uh, the kids nowadays, they spend so much time on their phones that's where they're basing their life off of. They see what's popular. They see what is the nice thing, the fun thing to do, the new joke, the new TikTok, the new... Yeah, I just found out a couple weeks what a TikTok was when my daughter was doing all this stuff. But the youth today, they're growing up with this. We didn't grow up with it, you know, many of us. I know that me, I didn't grow up with this stuff. When I, you know, it's hard for my kids to believe it, but whenever our, I was younger, we didn't have computers. And the phones we had were connected to the wall with a long cord coming from it. Okay, you can only go, when we got the phone that had the 20-foot long cord, that was amazing. Okay, because then we could walk away from the phone for 20 feet, and I'd sit there 20 feet away from the phone talking just because, you know, now everything is on that little portable device. And the youth today, they're basing their lives off that stuff. They're basing their lives off of what social media says. And it's a hard battle to fight against. It's a wall that our kids are building up around them that they may never climb. That they may... Never see a way around. Because they'll find their self-worth in what that little electronic device says. That self-worth, what it says, more important than what God's Word says. There's a wall around every corner. And we're not going to be able to knock them down. But you know what? God's there. And he'll knock them down for you. We just got to give him that chance. You got to give him that chance. I got to give him that chance. And we got to show the youth and the people outside that they need to give him that chance. Because there's people walking around everywhere that have built built walls up around them, they don't know how to get out. 
And all they're waiting for is just one person, one Christian, one servant of God to reach down over top of that wall and say, hey, right here, let me tell you how to get out of there. Let me tell you how my God got me out. Are you going to be that person that hits the valley like that? Or are you going to be the people that walk around the wall and just walk and just keep marching around the wall, looking at the wall, staring up at the wall? Nope. Be that person who steps back and looks at that wall and sees how big it is, how strong that wall is, and the first thing you know is, God! And that wall goes down. So we can move forward. And I'm telling you people, let God destroy your walls. He'll do it for you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word and the chance to get to study it. Father, we thank you, thank you so much for everything you've done for us and the grace of your Son dying upon the cross for each and every one of us, Father, and the gift of the Spirit for our strength. Lord, you are amazing. And Father, I pray that the walls around us, I pray they may fall, Father, that we may look at you and know that you're on the other side of that wall just waiting for us hands out. You hold us every single day, and you, Father, you are the one that can tear down our walls. I pray that we may look, look towards you for that. In Jesus' name pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Valley Church. If you are impacted by today's teaching or made a decision to follow Jesus, we would love to hear from you, pray for you, and walk with you. To connect with us, visit valleychurchwv.com. There you will find resources on following Jesus and information about how to partner with us here at Valley Church as we seek, serve, and send disciples of Christ. 